Hello, Jill. Hi, Steve. How are you today? Good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. Okay. You know what I thought we would do today? Do you know what I thought we would do today? I do. Oh, because I told <laughs> because you ahead of time. We were talking about, about it. it. <laughs> All right. What we're going to do is we're going to look at the Vancouver Sun online version, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about whatever we find there. And so I opened to the editorial page. Maybe we should just mention what the Vancouver Sun is. That's a good idea. It's uh, Why don't you tell people? A local news, probably, I guess, the most read local newspaper. I'm not sure. I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. Well, the Sun and the province. Mm-hmm. Owned by the same Owned people. by the same people. We have a monopoly almost in mm-hmm. <laughs> newspapers, but that's another subject. Um, yeah, the Vancouver Sun is probably the most popular newspaper in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people also read uh, a national newspaper, like the Globe and Mail or the National Post, uh, and then they read either the Vancouver Sun or the Vancouver Province for their local news, primarily. Right. And here the editorial is entitled, Everyone Benefits When Newcomers Master an Official Language, which right off the bat is such an obvious statement. Mm-hmm. Well, of course they should master the official language. And of course it's going to be beneficial to them and to us. And to the society. That's yeah. such a given. That's It's like everybody gets wet if they stay out in the rain <laughs> you know, without an umbrella. You know, it's the same. But there was a recent uh, sort of publication of a census or the results of the census. A census, of course, is a, a statistical, you know, a recording of, of what's going on in the population. And it points out that between the years 2001 and 2006, one million people immigrated to Canada, with the result that today nearly one in five people in Canada in 2006 was born outside the country. Hmm. Now that's, first of all, not so unusual, because the percentage of people born outside the country has always been between 16, 17 to 20 percent, but it is higher now than it has been. And that people from Asia and the Middle East represent 58.3, almost 60% of these mm-hmm. people. And uh, then there's Actually, some... Actually, uh, sorry Go to ahead, no. you. I did hear also on the news this morning that just a little blurb about uh, how India has the, um, the, the most immigrants coming mm-hmm. from one place to Vancouver are from India. Oh, really? Uh, I know that I read in a Chinese newspaper when they discovered that the immigrants, the numbers from India were now greater than the numbers from China. That seemed to bother them. (laughs) But certainly, if you take the whole South Asian continent, you know, if you take India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and Bangladesh, uh, then I'm sure, and then I don't know whether Afghanistan is part of that, but if you take that area of the world, that's the largest source, Mm -hmm. I, I I would imagine. But the people from... China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, in other words, Chinese-speaking people would be pretty close. Yeah, so agree. those two are the two largest groups, no question. And uh, the article goes on to say that four out of five immigrants were, here's a new term, allophone, A-L-L-O-P-H-O-N-E. Uh, allophone means, it's a typically Canadian word. It was a word that was coined in Quebec, where they have English speakers and French speakers. So they have... Francophones, who are the majority, and they have Anglophones, who they would like to put back in their place. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, people who are neither one nor the other are allophone. So people whose native language is not English or French. Right. 
That's right. And uh, in Quebec, of course, it was politically very important to count those allophones as allophones and not as anglophones, because otherwise you would make the anglophones feel that they were more important than the francophones would like them to feel. So this all becomes very political. But uh, in Vancouver, which is the second most popular destination after Toronto, we get a lot of these people whose mother tongue is neither English nor French. Mm -hmm. French wouldn't help them very much in Vancouver. No. Now... One recent study found that immigrants' wages lag significantly behind those of native-born Canadians. Yes. Uh, one possible reason is that some immigrants have trouble with English or French. Yes. <laughs> That's obvious. Yes. And it's not only that. Let's face it. In any society, if you're a newcomer, you don't know as many people. You don't know your way around. Mm-hmm. You don't have the connections. You're at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, in all you know, jobs... Employers are looking for people who can communicate well with colleagues, with customers, with suppliers. Language is very, very important. Unless you're working as a some kind of a you know in a technical position or as a laborer or something. Yeah, but, at a plant, a factory, or something like that, then maybe it's not so important. Well, that's right. But if if you're if you're uh, you know if you're uh, having to work as a professional, which many of these people are, you have to have good English. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the editorial goes on that uh, this uh, should alert us to the importance of improving adequate language instruction for newcomers. We might have to, you know, we ha- it says here, for example, might need to review the five-year limit on ESL funding. Students are expected to learn English within five years. Uh, in contrast to French immersion students who receive support from kindergarten to grade 12. I mean, that's a ridiculous comparison. Uh, someone who comes here... Uh, uh, someone who comes here, uh, goes to school in English, is surrounded by English, English on television, English in the schoolyard. Uh, that's not the same as someone who's in French immersion, who sits in a classroom which is artificially in French, and otherwise is totally surrounded by English. That's right. So it's different. No comparison. And then they go on and say that the private sector might well have to step up language training for some employees. Blah, blah, blah. And it does say immigrants themselves can do much to learn English or French through the many family literacy programs available. All is not doom and gloom. Immigrants have fared much better than those in most other countries. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what I want to talk about in this here? Aside from the fact that I think all those immigrants should be on link. (laughs) But, you know, we haven't been very successful. We began link... Uh, with the idea of, of offering this to immigrants, I went on Chinese radio. I spoke, you know, for like a total of 26 weeks. I was on there talking in Chinese about what you need to do to learn languages and so forth. And uh, very few of those people have joined Link. And we offered free membership. Free member. Well, we still, and that's right, in those days. And, and I have come to the conclusion that to improve in a language requires a tremendous amount of dedication, motivation, interest. Not just a small amount, a lot. Mm -hmm. And the number of people in any group who have this degree of motivation and dedication is very, very small. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether we provide more resources or more funding and the taxpayers more. If those people don't have the desire, the willingness, the motivation to learn, doesn't matter how many years of school we throw at them, they're still not going to learn. So how is that the answer? I mean, we, 
I mean, I, I, I have spoken to people who go to the immigrant, this is the adult classes, uh, ESL classes, and if they go for one or two hours a day or however many times a week, but the rest of the time they live in their own language. So they go home, they only watch Korean or Chinese or Punjabi or whatever, television, videos, they speak it with their friends, which is fine. I mean, we're not, they shouldn't stop meeting their friends. Mm-hmm. But, but I know personally from my experience living in Japan that if all I did was to go to school for an hour a day, I would never have learned Japanese. When I was in my car, I listened to English. And I'm sure there are many immigrants who do this as well, by the way. I don't, we should, should not exaggerate. Who listen to Japanese. Who listen to English, like immigrants to Canada who will make a point of listening to English radio. I'm sure there's lots who do that. But all I'm saying is that I've seen so many examples of immigrants who go to these publicly funded language classes. Sometimes they don't even show up and they want the teacher to say that they attended because they need that for their social welfare worker or whatever it is. I mean, it's just rife with abuse. And I always am reminded of uh, one thing that I was told by a company in France when we were trying to sell our system to them. And they said, you know, before we put anyone on a paid language program, we give them a copy of some self-learning system and at the end of six months they have to have shown some progress Mm -hmm. if they are not motivated enough to learn on their own through some self-learning process then we are not going to spend money on them to learn with a teacher and I think that just makes an awful lot of sense it does make sense that's right the people who are motivated are going to learn and whether it's free or they have to pay for it or somebody else pays for it and why would why would an employer want to pay for it if if the person really has no interest and isn't going to learn in the end anyway? I mean, this is the other thing. You know, we always say yes, the employer should uh, put more money into into training, and I think they should. And I think particularly where the the employee is is motivated to learn, not just a language, but if the employee is very motivated to learn anything, mm-hmm. then certainly we as a company, we've always been willing to, to help our employees uh, in any kind of a training program. But, you know, if it's a matter of English in Vancouver, where you can watch English television from morning to night, English radio, newspapers, you can go meet people, you can join their, they have the newcomers clubs and the, you know, the skiing club, and there's no shortage of things that you can do if you want to. To immerse yourself in the to language. To immerse yourself in the language. And of course, as you know, we at Link, we don't believe that this sort of formalized grammar instruction with lessons and work plans for the class and all of these things are particularly useful. Uh, and what's more, if you are in a classroom with with 20 people, none of whom speak English very well, and you're all taking turns uh, stumbling about in the language, I mean, that's really not very effective. So basically what I think is that uh, every immigrant should join Link. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> you know, where's the downside? What can go wrong? That's right. But uh, no, everything has to become a, sort of like a social uh, a social project, you know. Uh, yeah, they decided to emigrate here. They should have learned English as as much as possible before coming here. Mm-hmm. And once here, I think the primary responsibility is on them. Is on them. I agree. And not to be well, we need more money for this, that, and the other. Um, it, you know, it's a bit like the whole literacy thing. 
uh, again, I think a lot of the money that goes into things like ESL for immigrants, literacy training, and so forth, you appeal to people. Literacy has a bigger appeal Mm -hmm. because we say, yeah, in Canada, there are people who can't read, they can't get work, they can't read the safety manual at work, we need to help those people. Yes. So we'll raise a bunch of money. So I, I saw in the paper that Ann Murray or somebody else is going to contribute. So millions of dollars flow to these literacy programs. But we have a bigger problem now than we had 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is that? So maybe flowing more money at these programs may not be the solution. Right. Maybe it's at the level of the motivation of the individual, making certain facilities. I mean, they can go to the library. you know. And I think audio books are great for people who have trouble reading. Uh, so they can borrow audiobooks and read, and, and uh, they can join Link for that matter. Mm-hmm. So I guess, uh, yeah, that was something that caught my eye in the newspaper. Uh, it's a nice article because it's not about crime. It's not about someone being beaten up or shot or wars. So yeah. I hate reading about I all that you. type of stuff so in depressing. the newspaper. Yeah, so depressing. So there you have it. I think that's sort of one of the only articles in there that isn't. One of the headlines that isn't depressing. Yeah, everyone benefits when newcomers master an official language. That's a great statement. Yeah. All right. Okay. Everybody benefits when people go to school. Yeah, that's good. Okay, Jill. We've done that one. Okay. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye-bye.